This is episode 13 with Young Echo Warrior, Cree Lopez. Mabuhay and welcome to the Best of You podcast. Each week, we give you an inspirational person or message designed to empower you to go further faster. My name is Jessie and this is another day to inspire all Filipinos around the world. So what are we waiting for? Let's get this started. Kabataan ang pag-asa ng bayan according to our national hero Jose Rizal. All of us have the power to inspire, inform, involve, and empower the youth through different initiatives. Aside from having the responsibility of taking care of our youth, we are also responsible to take good care of our environment for the benefit of our children's future. So this week, we invited the founder of Messy Bessie, a brand of natural biodegradable household cleaners. She is a young mother of two who has a massive heart for the environment and the Filipino youth. Is it really possible to make a difference while making a profit? Let's listen and be inspired with Cree Reyes Lopez on this interview with Mike. So Cree, good morning. <laughs> Sorry, I have no voice. Good morning. So I really appreciate you uh, making time for our listeners today. Yeah, to the, share your story, share your message, share some lessons that you've learned along your amazing, amazing journey. So uh, we, and it's not ended by far. Yeah, no, no. It's amazing for me and I'm glad it's amazing for you oh, too. Oh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. So the first question I always ask my guests and the, you the freedom to answer this how you choose. So in the last 24 hours, what gave you joy? My kids. Okay. So I have a newborn oh. as, um, who was born six, seven weeks ago, and I have a four-year-old, and they are my joy. Wow. Every minute. So you can even ask last 24 minutes, and oh. I would say that. <laughs> so obviously, professionally, of course, you've achieved a lot. Well, a lot of people have perceived you've yes. progressed quite far. Perceived, yes. Perceived, so we'll get into that. <laughs> so what compliment did you receive that you were most proud of? I'm not so good at receiving compliments. And I think with the nature of my work, a lot of people compliment me because they think it's so noble and everything. So every time people say that, that I'm so awesome or what I'm doing is so awesome, I don't really accept it the way maybe I should. For me, the biggest compliment is when I actually see the young adults in our program every day go against all odds, you know, and when I see them persevere and work so hard and study so hard, that for me is the compliment. And when I see the company at where it is now, sometimes I even space out during meetings because I just can't believe it's at this point already when we're doing demand plannings and all these big corpy stuff that mm -hmm. I never thought we would even get to. So those for me are compliments. Yeah. But words, I don't, maybe my ego is too big, I don't know, but I am not able to accept them as well as I should. Mm. No, I love that. That's a great answer in terms of... Uh, the greatest joy you get or compliment is the fruit, yes. seeing the fruit in action, yes. which is those kids. Yes. Awesome. There's a lot of our listeners that don't know Messi Bessie or unfamiliar. I, I talked a bit about it in the introduction, but could you give maybe for those that are unfamiliar with Messi Bessie and the work they do, the kind of, uh, I guess, the, the short version of the story? Yes. Maybe, in terms of 
who Bessie is and why they exist. Yes. Okay. So on the surface, Messy Bessie is a manufacturer and wholesaler and retailer of all natural household and personal care products. So this is what people see in the malls and in the stores and all of that. We're in over 100 outlets already in the country. But what's underneath the surface is what a lot of people don't know because we don't really advertise this maybe as much as we should. The reason why we put up Messy Bessie seven years ago was to find jobs and an education program for at-risk young adults. At-risk meaning formerly abused, formerly trafficked, formerly impoverished young adults. So we put up this business just for that reason. Um, and we're doing that until now. So 70% or maybe 80% of our workforce right now are these at-risk young adults. And we have an ongoing program that puts all of them through school, high school, college, and there's a lot of other things going on, like mentorships and psycho support and just counseling and guidance from everybody involved. Mm. When you talk about the vision for Messy Bessie, what kind of ideas do you have for how it will grow in the future? Well, my personal vision was always to have many companies, not just Messy Bessie. So just a group of companies that <clears throat> these young adults would come into. It's almost like a university. But instead of courses, we have different companies that you can enter and kind of hone work skills. And at the end of the program, you come out with a college diploma, which is very important here in the Philippines. Mm. Um, and that's why we're on that track. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm just playing with the system. So yeah. um, you come out of the program with a college diploma and a pretty robust work resume. So hopefully that will make them, um, each young adult, have a better future out of poverty um, in a job of their choice and a secure job, you know, with benefits and all of that, not a contractual job or anything like that. To give us um, maybe a, a personal example, could you share maybe a story of one young adult that you've seen transform under the program from where they were at the beginning yeah. to where they are now? Can you just maybe pick one? Yeah, I'll give you two. Oh, great. <laughs> two then. So we have like the high potential one. So I have one named Angela. She's going to be our first college graduate this October. You're welcome to come to our family day. We have a family day every three months. Mm. We're like a school. So you're, you're, I'm going to invite you to come witness that. We're going to celebrate her college diploma. This Angela graduated valedictorian in high school. And then due to financial reasons, um, she wasn't able to go to college. But she was able to through work because she's very smart and very persevering. She was able to put her younger brothers to, through school. Mm. And after eight years of being out of school, she came across Messy Bessie. And now she's able to finish college. So she's a high potential student. So we don't take all the credit up for her because I feel like she'll thrive anywhere. But maybe to get the college diploma is different. So, okay, fine. We helped her a little bit with that one. Yeah. My other girl I want to talk about is Rosalyn. She had an extremely traumatic past. Like, it can't, I can't even talk about it. It's too much. So very, very traumatic past. She was, she's a victim of trafficking as well, underage trafficking. Um, she came to us, um, although she was um, <clears throat> pretty much um, labeled as fully recovered by her organization. She came to us still very emotionally unstable, and she still is until today. But at that time, maybe four years ago, she would come to us and she couldn't even talk in front of people. She had to be facing the wall. She'd be holding someone's hand. She would space out and 
all these different symptoms. And now she's already in her third year college. She she's kind of the supervisor of some of the kids. She speaks with so much confidence. She's a complete turnaround. So she's like another success story of mine, a low potential one that we're able to help as well. Mm. Wow, I love that. Now, what makes me very interested in, in you setting this up, I'm sure when you shared this dream with others of um, making a difference, that you've got a lot of people that said the words impossible. Yes, or, or stupid even. Or stupid. Yeah, like wow. this is silly. Like you're on. I graduated, I finished college in 1997. So when I had my exit interview and I was I finished engineering like you. Yes, both engineers. So, <laughs> <laughs> nerds rule. So um, I had my, my exit interview with my professor and he asked me, what do you plan to do? And I said, I want to go get into development, like social development. And he thought I was crazy. I was the only one. He said, you're the only one who's saying this. Why? And I'm like, I don't know. That's what I feel. But now he came back to me 15, how, how long ago was that? 15 years later or something. And he, for his class to do a study on Messi Vesi. So tides have changed. I'm like, see, sir, you told me. I told him. You told me I was being crazy. And now here you are knocking wow. at my door wanting to study us. So, Yeah. I was a little cuckoo at that time, but I'm glad to know that times have changed and now we're fully accepted. <laughs> oh, awesome. Actually, do you start with, is there a particular quote that inspires you on your journey on a daily basis or at key points of the, of the journey that really inspired you? Are you talking about journey in my life in the past, you mean? Or, yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah. Your freedom to choose. Well, people always ask me, always ask me, why are you doing what you're doing? Because for some people, it's just so crazy to dedicate your life to this. But my answer was always, I don't think I'm any more noble than any other person who's pursuing what they want to do. So I'm not any more noble than the dancer who wants to dance or the architect who wants to design buildings. I don't think I'm any more noble than that. I just want to do what I'm doing. So when people ask me, why are you doing what you're doing? That's kind of what I answer. But when I look back also, my mom used to take me to orphanages back when I was four, as far as I can remember. Mm. And maybe that made an impact on me a lot. My mom was a big, until now, she's a big social worker of some sort. So <laughs> maybe that had an impact on me. Maybe it's genetic. Who knows? I don't know. And now I feel very strongly for the kids that we help. I say kids, but they're 18 and above. Mm. Because... For one, I feel like they are neglected by society. A lot of organizations focus on children or on the seniors, but never on these kids because they're so very difficult. Mm. They're like teenagers, but even more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and I also feel like we as a society failed them the most because they go through all these hardships when they're young and it's not their fault. And then they come to this point when they're 18 and they're kind of set up for failure. So... I feel very strongly for them too because I sincerely believe that we're all the same. I'm the same as every single kid in the office. It's just that I was born with much more privilege than they were. Mm. But we're actually the same person or mm. the same equal people, right? Mm. So I feel very strongly for them because it really isn't their fault mm. that they went through what they went through. And a lot of them are victims of our system. 
our lousy system here in the country or even in the world, you know, allowing them, for example, to be in jail with adults just for stealing maybe 20 pesos or something. And then you're in jail with adults and then you end up being a victim of sexual harassment in jail and then it just snowballs from there, right? So why did we allow that to happen? Mm. Or why did we allow a 12-year-old get trafficked, right, and get jailed in a bar for years? So Mm. things like that. Very heavy stuff, but yeah. No, I appreciate that and I appreciate your mom for yes. exposing you. So big thank you. Yes, thank you, Mom. And in fact, this November, I'm taking my daughter to an orphanage to share her wow. toy. So paying it forward, Mom. Mm. Kree, what's the best advice you ever got? Hmm, I've gotten a lot, but I must say my husband is my um, number one fan and critic. And he's a very successful businessman, so I always go to him for advice. And he's always just, just keep going. Hmm. I mean, it's very simple, but he's like, just keep going. Just go to work on time. Go to work every day. Just keep doing it, and you'll get there. Mm. And he's like, showing up is half the battle. Just go there. Eight in the morning, be there, and things are going to work. And true enough, it's been seven years, and I think we've been pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I'm very proud to say that Messy Bessie is really one of those social enterprises here that's really self-sustaining. So um, we haven't had, we've only had one very small donation in the past, but we've been sustaining ourselves this whole time. Yes. It's, it's difficult. It's hard to make money. Yeah. Let alone make money and then spend a little more for these kids. So, yes. yeah. So, Kree, has been a particular on your journey? Because yes. this, I'm really fascinated about your personal decisions <clears throat> to create Messy Bessie. Is there a particular book that has helped you? Anything um, that you want to share with our listeners that would be of value? I'm a voracious reader. So I've read a lot of books. I don't remember all the titles, but the ones of Muhammad Yunus kind okay. of changed me a lot in terms of, not really changed, but inspired me a lot in this journey. A few of the stuff he said that stuck to me was people are like a bonsai, the plant. Yeah. So, I mean, poor people, he said, are like a bonsai plant. So they're the same as us, the normal trees, but then their pots are smaller. So they're only allowed to grow so much. Mm. So... I could relate to that very well because of the kids. Mm. So yeah, we're the same, but how come you're not reaching your potential? Mm. So I really like that thing that he said. I also like what he said, and I followed him. He said to perfect the seed first. Keep it small. Keep your program or your social enterprise or whatever small. Perfect it. If it works that way, then it's easier to create a bigger impact. And that's what we're doing now. Like We're keeping it small, making sure we're profitable, and then... Once we get there, and I think we are getting there, then we can, you know, photocopy our system. Anybody's welcome to photocopy our system because it works. Yes. Yeah. Then it becomes more impactful. Mm-hmm. Kree, when you think of the word successful, who comes to mind? For me, success is when people are doing what they love to do and are good at it. I yeah. don't know. It's fairly simple, but mm-hmm. that's how I see it. So I see people like, you know, who thrive in whatever they're doing. Steve Jobs, for example, or I, I, look, I always look at artists, like artists who, you know, whatever, whoever artist who's successful, I find them successful yeah. because they obviously love what they're doing and they're good at it. Like they're recognized for it. So I think that's success. Mm. I think. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So we're going to my favorite part of the show, okay. which is adversity. <laughs> <laughs> what a fun show. Okay. Yeah, it's a fun show. So I wanted you to talk about perhaps a setback. Um, in the journey, in your life, you, you choose where yeah. that you personally learn the most from yeah. that you'd like to share with our listeners. Well, 
I'll share two. First, uh, I, before Messy Bessie, we put up another business called Happy Helpers. Okay. It was supposed to be a temp agency, you know, where you supply temporary employees to companies that needed them seasonally. So uh, we did that, but we failed miserably because mm. the girls at that time who I were helping, um, the sexually abused girls, um, they weren't ready to work. So they wouldn't come to work because they wouldn't show up at work at the office that I referred them to. They wouldn't show up because they fought with their boyfriend or because they lost a bracelet or something like that. So they mm. weren't ready. Yeah. So that business failed. But I just kept going and put up Messy Bessie. Mm. So that's one story. My other story is um, a bit heavier. Maybe two to three years into the program, Messy Bessie was already starting to grow. I find out that there's this organized crime going on in the, in the office. Mm. So all the kids were stealing money. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, are you serious? After everything, I felt, you know, we've been giving to you, putting you through school, guiding you and all of that, loving you. You steal from us. So that was tough. We had to do a mass termination. Um, we had to terminate everybody but two who were the innocent ones. Very painful. Everyone was crying. They were crying. I was crying. Everyone's crying. And really, I wanted to give up at that time. I mean, mm. why am I even doing this, right? Mm. So, but then I kept going. So there, that was mm. like a big moment for us in the mm. office because it was so, it was very painful. Mm. It's like your own child betraying you. That's how yeah. it felt. Wow. No, thank you for sharing because mm -hmm. that takes a bit of courage to... I'm sure that was so painful going through Super that. Super painful. And these are kids who I've grown to love. I've been with them for three years already, mm. you know. So very painful. Mm. And what advice maybe can you give to folks out there that maybe they're, that risk of betrayal is there and how to minimize that risk? I don't know if betrayal is the right word. My, yeah, my fault, yeah. Well, but that risk of yeah. trust being broken yeah. with people that you influence. So I'm not just saying... I'm, so it could be a manager of a, of a company or you could be an owner or you could be even a parent. How to minimize that risk of, is there any tips you can give to our listeners on minimize that risk of trust being broken? Yeah. Well, the simple way is to be more efficient at work. <laughs> then you, you lose the loopholes. But I think for me, what made me go through it was really letting go of my ego, like mm. not making it about me. Like, it, I didn't make it sound like, why? how could you do this to me and all of that. I had to see it from where they were coming from. And I also had to look at it in terms of, it's just everyone's journey, you know. It's a, a, a lesson learned for them, a lesson learned for me. And it's, it's just the way it is. Yeah. So I don't want to take it too personally. And again, it's not about me. Yeah. It's about them. It's about me. And yeah. maybe we made mistakes too, because why did we let them do that? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I admire that courage. Um, I, I've gone through some personal experiences in, in my time in Africa with that, so I yeah. can directly relate to what you're saying. So yeah. it does take a lot of courage to. It, the easiest thing to do is point the finger yes. and blame the kids. Yeah, and, and just say, "How could you do that to me?" Like yeah. make it all about yourself yeah. when it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. So every time we lose a person, even to this day, um, I always tell the whole team that it's our responsibility. It's all our fault that we lost that kid. Okay. So that's how we always look at it now. Mm. So, yeah, every time we lose someone, I always say it's all our responsibility mm. that we lost that person, whether mm. it's through pregnancy or theft or just low motivation. I always say, what, have, what did we do wrong? Why did we lose that kid? Mm. I love that. That's very practical advice and um, that a lot of people can take on board. This question is very important because it, a lot of our listeners are going through 
adversity right now, and it's coming from those they love. It's coming from their own family. Now, the adversity can come in many forms. Um, discouragement when it comes to sharing their dreams, or discouragement to invest themselves in the Philippines, mm-hmm. actually to leave the country. What advice would you give to folks that are going through adversity from their loved ones, from their own family members? What, how can you, what would you say to them right now? Oh my gosh, well, I'm not a guru, but <laughs> every time I think of situations like that, I look to my kids. I mean, not my, not my biological children, but the kids in the office. I mean, if we talk adversity, they're the ones who really have been through really tough, tough, tough times. And I look to people like them, and I, I think if they can handle it, and if they can go through it, mm and thrive after experiencing it, then all of us can. Because mm. the things that they've been through are unthinkable. Mm. So, yeah, maybe that's my advice. Look, volunteer maybe. Look to some of these people, the ones in the Philippines, you know, all around us who talk to them and see what they've been through. And all of a sudden, your problems will shrink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, so true. I really believe the secret to living is giving. Yes. Once you start... Relating to other people, then um, it puts perspective. I, I can personally, any moments, well, all the moments that I've been depressed or down, it's because I lost perspective yes. in that moment. Have you, can you think of times where, for example, tips on how to get that back for you? When you've, uh, you, you talked about the, why is this happening to me kind of yeah. moments. How, have you, how is, have you, in your mind, transitioned out of that thinking into more of that positive, anything you can share with our listeners that will be of benefit? Well, for me, it's always just looking for gratitude, always. So every time I'm down and complaining, I kind of shift myself and focus on what I can be thankful for. So when I lost all the kids because of theft, I had to be thankful that Messy Bessie was even growing and that I had these managers with me and that we had those two kids who were innocent with us. So all these things. So that I had my daughter. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Two eyes, two hands, whatever. So yeah, gratitude always gets me out of it. Yes. And I love that answer because I think gratitude is the healthiest human emotion. It is so foundational for everything else to grow. And it's, it's saved my life personally, gratitude. Oh. So I'm, I, I love hearing from other people on how gratitude has played a part. The Thank attitude you. of gratitude. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was indeed an inspiring story from Cree. If we know the purpose of why we are doing things, there won't be any problems with the methods of how we want some things to happen. Best results are gained with the motivation to leave our purpose. Now, what's the one thing on this interview that inspires you to go further faster? Share it on the comment section. Check out our show notes and don't forget to rate and review so we can make this better for you. If you don't want to miss any episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio or tune in. Like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash bestofyou.ph. Follow us on Twitter at bestofyou underscore ph and Instagram at bestofyou.ph. You have the power to inspire all Filipinos around the world and those people that you care about. If you are an individual or organization,
organization who aims to make a difference and transform each Filipino to be a better version of themselves. We want to explore partnership with you. Email us now through Mike Grogan at mike at bestofyou.ph. Before I end this episode, I want to leave a simple message coming from Cree. Look for gratitude, always. That's all for today. Till our next episode, this is Jesse, and this is Best of You. Inspiring Filipinos go further faster. That's all for today. Watch out for part two of Chris' interview. This is Jesse, and this is 